0: I know, you're a small business owner or entrepreneur trying to run a successful business. But marketing, besides finding the time, how can you get noticed? What can you do to make sure that your marketing efforts are worth the time and the money that you invest in? What do you need to do to get your marketing to work for you? That's coming up today on Experience Leadership.
1: Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain.
0: Welcome to Experience Leadership. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain. And today, our special guest is marketing coach, David Saxby. We'll be talking about why businesses fail at marketing and what they need to do to attract more leads and turn them into customers. And we'll get to that in just a a moment. This is the audio version of episode 18 of Mark Hain Live. So if you're up for it, check out my episodes at markhainlive.com. Also, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You could always check me out as well on my blog at markhain.com. If you're like most small business owners, somewhere someone told you you should have a Facebook page. That same someone could have told you that you need to do regular Twitter posts and even hit up Instagram with compelling photos of your products. And if you are like most small business owners, after a while, your passionate commitment to that kind of social media strategy fell by the waveside. You might even have thrown up your hands and said, ah, what is the use? So I'd like to know from you our question of the day. What has been the most frustrating thing you've experienced about marketing your business? Why don't you go ahead and share this episode on social media, put your comments in it, answering the question, and don't forget to tag it, experience leadership. That's hashtag experience leadership. Be part of the conversation should be great. Our guest today is a sought-after professional speaker, business coach, and consultant, As creative director and president of Spark Communications, David Saxby works with business owners who want to close more sales and increase overall revenues and profits. His years of experience working with small businesses has given David a really keen understanding of what business owners have and what they have to face, especially in a volatile economy. And let's face it, nothing has been more volatile than what's been happening with COVID-19. Welcome, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Before we get into today's topic, can you tell us a little bit about what you do
2: with your clients? Oh, yeah. Well, I, my role with clients really is to help them think more strategically about what they're doing in the way of marketing and sales. And so what I typically do with clients is discover you know, what they're currently doing, how they can improve on what they're doing, what they shouldn't be doing and then where they need to go to reach the majority of their market. And oftentimes that means, you know, clients have already spent money or spent time doing marketing and they're not getting results. So uh, I now work with clients and we have a, a proprietary software program where we can actually analyze what clients are doing and come up with the areas of profitability when marketing is used to uh, promote their business.
0: Oh, wow. So, I mean, obviously, that sounds like an absolute, like a solution to the problem. But, you know, I guess what I wanted to talk, you have all this years of experience. I want to know, why are a lot of small businesses really lousy at marketing?
2: Well, I think it goes down to one basic principle, and that is that most people get into business because they have a technical skill. And in most business programs or in most industries, there's no real training that's given to business owners in the area of sales or marketing or social media. And a lot of that's learned by the seat of the pants sort of method. So I think it goes back to the fundamentals of business, which is, you know, looking at the business and looking at all the areas of business and being strategic.
0: Right. Well, you mentioned it really um, succinctly. This idea that business people get into their business because they have a specialty in one area of the business, but they're not necessarily business people. And I think that's a really interesting aspect because I've mentioned this before on other past episodes about how small business owners need to be able to build capacity in all different aspects of their business, not just in the core offering that they're developing.
3: We'll be back with more from David Saxby right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. You are
0: listening to Experience Leadership. I am here with Creative Director and President of Spark Communications, David Saxby. So, David, I guess one of the big questions I have is small business people don't necessarily have the skill to do marketing properly. But what are small businesses doing that is absolutely wrong in the marketing space?
2: Well, in many cases, I would say everything, but.
0: <laughs> in what sense? Like when you say everything, in what sense?
2: Well, I think it really starts with looking at marketing from a strategic perspective, and most businesses don't. What they do is they do a tactical approach. So just what you said when you introduced today's uh, program, they put a little bit on Facebook, some on LinkedIn, they go to Twitter, the Instagram, so on and so forth, and there's no real sense of the effectiveness because they don't know where their target market is. And they haven't come up with a strategy or a plan, and they're not doing it consistently. So that's the biggest challenge, I think, is is they're throwing stuff out there. And I've said to some people, don't puke all over social media because it's wasting time. And many businesses have gone from traditional marketing, which was working or generating some leads, to putting it all on social media and realizing that they don't know if they're getting results or not, nor do they know where their leads are coming from. Mm.
0: So there's a couple of points that really resonate with me. First of all, the difference between tactical and strategic. Could you define those?
2: Oh, yeah. A strategy is really looking at the overall big picture and and determining what your business goals are and then where your market is and what their challenges and issues are and the best way of communicating. So, you know, in, in many industries, people are not necessarily on social media. And if you're in a, say, a B2B market, business to business, you probably want to spend more time on LinkedIn than Mm -hmm. Facebook. You know, if you're in a B2C market, maybe Facebook over LinkedIn and so on. And that's just on the digital side of things. But there's also all the traditional channels that uh, still exist. A good example, why would Google do a billboard? They're a digital media, but the billboard creates the presence and builds the brand so that people look for Google when they go online. Mm.
0: And I think that that really highlights the importance of kind of having a
2: mixed bag of exposure places to make you top of mind. Exactly. And I think the other side of it, too, is making sure that you've got the eyeballs, you've got the viewership, you've got the interaction and then measuring what your results are. It's so it starts with a strategy and then have a plan, put a budget to it, even though, you know, people think that going on social media is free. It's not. You're using human resources to post and time and then also determine a timeline and plan your, your marketing over a period of time so that you can actually see some results. One of the things I see all the time, and this even happens with big companies, is they blast out a bunch of stuff and then they stop doing everything. And then they blast out some more stuff and they stop doing. It. And so the customers are looking at it and going, well, I guess they're out of business because they're not here anymore. And, or even
0: worse, people don't think about them at all.
2: Exactly, yeah. And then the other side of it, too, is to uh, look at how you can strategically create a market-dominating position. And What I mean by that is being able to put an idea in the mind of the customer such that you are the go-to source for product or service. And that means coming up with something distinctly different from your competition. Mm -hmm. And what typically happens in a lot of industries is the me-too syndrome. You know, you look at, say, banking industry or the legal industry, you know, they're all blue logos or they're all, you know, in the legal industry, everybody's got a black and white card, you know, their message is the same. It's three names or four names on a card and same with the accounting practices and so on. And, and a lot of industries are like that, where everybody looks the same. Yeah. So it's a matter of coming up with something that's distinct and different. And a number of years ago, I worked with Canadian Western Bank, which was originally two banks merging together. And if you were back in the 80s, you'll probably remember Bank of Alberta. Well, they merged with a bank out of BC. And so we went through a process of researching their target market, determining what the big banks were doing wrong and what they could do differently. So we named them and we came up with the identity for them. And if you look at their logo, it wasn't blue, it wasn't red, and it wasn't green
0: it's a huge risk to be different when you work with clients. So, I mean, that's a perfect example with the Western Canadian bank because at some point you must have faced friction when you went to them and said, you shouldn't be blue. You shouldn't be black. You should really have your own identity. Can you talk a little bit about the mindset shift that needs to happen in order to start isolating your brand to be different from everybody else?
2: Well, yeah, it started out with, uh, originally, two very different cultures. The Pacific and Western Bank was the one that merged together with the Bank of Alberta. Mm -hmm. So I remember discussions about, well, the uh, logo should really have uh, rope around it and mountains in the background and, you know, cowboys and so on and so forth. And the Pacific and Western Bank said, no, it should have waves and sailboats and, you know, everything else like this. And I said, okay, first of all, we need to decide what's going to put your brand in the forefront of every other brand that's out there. And it, it also got into discussions about what products and services and how to differentiate. So we did things like they were the first bank in Canada, Western Canada, to have sit-down banking, first bank to have drive-through banking, first bank to have telephone banking. Mm. And that was all based on our surveys with customers or potential customers saying, what is it that you need such that you feel you're getting treated as a a special customer? And so all of that launched and very successfully, and they're still in business today and they have multiple divisions of the bank. Mm -hmm. So it came down to uh, analyzing the market, figuring out a strategy, determining how to make the brand distinctive so it stood out. And also analyzing competition and seeing what they were doing. yeah. So that became a, a market-dominating position, which is what I was talking about. And then the other side of it was coming up with a compelling offer. You know, in, in business, what do you do such that your target market says, oh, that offer appeals to me. Mm. That really makes a difference for me.
0: Yeah. And which, of course, brings up a, an interesting point that sometimes the compelling offer is not about price. It's about value.
2: It's absolutely not about price. There there was a famous expression, I think, back in the 70s in the advertising world, and that was, if everything else is the same, price is the only determining factor. But then everything has to be the same. Well, yeah, you know, comparable, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, if you go into a hardware store, do you really care whether it's one supplier or not of uh, nails or screws or, you know, (laughs) most people don't. Yeah. They're not going to go in and look for a specific brand. What they're going to look for is price.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's when it's something like a general commodity, like nails or whatever, or cucumbers or whatever. But when it comes down to, you know, a mechanical garage, you need to fix your car, right? Do you care where you take your car? Well, I would say probably you do, just like you probably have a preference over your doctor because over the years you've kind of fallen into this one particular person and created a relationship with them. And then you have this trust. And so this idea of marketing, this, you know, it's it's all about, you know, you keep seeing it in the marketing circles and especially in the digital content where people need to stand out and they need to be liked and trusted. And so a lot of the typical marketing now that people, small businesses do and it's unfortunate because it's kind of like yelling into a forest and then wondering why nobody's coming. (laughs) Right? And so, you know, ultimately the idea here, every time that we put out a piece, every time we do something, we want to be able to create those relationships. But at the end of the day, this is about building leads. How can operators attract more leads? And But I shouldn't say leads, because really at the end of the day, it's about taking leads and converting them into
2: customers. Exactly. Yeah, and so it starts out with the first impression and, and a lot of people get confused about the word brand. But brand really creates a first impression and it literally has a personality and it it connects with an audience, a particular target audience, and it says something to that audience. Mm -hmm. So the first impression leads to then people looking at the options they have for purchasing, whether it's services or products, and they determine whether they have a, a compelling, if there's a compelling offer not necessarily price based. I mean, you, you look at why do people buy Mercedes? You know, it's it's not the price. <laughs> why do uh, people buy Apple products or so for Microsoft products and so on? So it comes down to compelling offer. And you were talking earlier about, about the uh, aspect of commodity. Well, interesting enough with professionals, much of those industries are commodity. Um, I had a discussion, in fact, one of the clients I'm working with right now is in the bookkeeping industry. And he says, well, we, we just don't have any differentiating factor. And I said, well, let's look at what you're doing. And we had a several hour discussion, came up with four different, uh, very different, distinct uh, things that he did different from his competition. I said, that's your market dominating position. So from there, once you've got your messaging and your target market figured out and your compelling offer, then it's a matter of, of figuring out how to generate leads. So that means getting people to your information and and nowadays uh, a website's like a business card. You know, if you don't have a uh, website, people uh, don't think you're in business. So the idea being is driving traffic to wherever you want people to go, whether it's your website to whether it's a phone call or a text message or whatever mechanism you want to do to capture the lead. So nowadays the most popular ways of doing that is, is to develop what we call lead pages. And then also doing things like drip campaigns. So drip campaigns are simply an automated process of messaging people through email. And the next sort of one that's coming along and fairly popular is cell phones, you know, doing texting. So, you know, all of that, what that does is connects with your market. And then you need to give them something that appeals to them that's risk free or minimal risk. Right. So in a lot of cases, that means leading them to the website to download some information or watch a video or pay for something that's very minimal risk.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny because what you're talking about is this idea of creating value, but using that value then as so it might be free, but the actual payment is that you get your brand recognized. You get you put out content out there so people can know, like and trust you and that you are being of service to them. And and I remember like years ago, it's probably now about 10 or 12 years when Jay Bauer put out his book, Utility and with a very strong philosophy of, you know, be of service to your customers first. And I remember, I remember this so in about 2011, 2012, I remember hearing about this spa company in the States and he, the owner kept putting out all these different videos on how to fix your spas. And he was interviewed. I mean, he was very popular. People were always watching him, but his sales went through the roof and people kept coming to him and saying, you know, you're telling them how to fix their own spa. They're never going to call you. And he says, no, people want to know about fixing their spa. They want to know what it takes to fix it. And he says for him, it was a coup because he says people are basically too lazy to do it themselves. They don't necessarily, they're afraid they might mess something up. So now they call the professionals. But what he did, in the context of being able to do that, he showed what had to happen to fix the spa. So when he gave his bill, he never had to argue about what he charged them to fix their spa because people were at least educated in understanding what it takes to replace the motor, what you have to do if you have a leak and so on. And it was brilliant. And, and his business just shot right through the roof as a trusted source. If you're going to buy your spa in the States, you went to this one guy.
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it became, the expert and the go-to source Mm -hmm. for the customers, which is nowadays, that's what it's all about is, is building rapport with your customers, building trust, giving them something of value that helps them make a decision that you're the person to do business with long before you ever hand them a bill or, you know, take their credit card or or whatever. So, and the messaging, uh, this is also another aspect of where businesses fail, there's a still an age-old formula that's been used for decades, and that is the, the message, the headline of your marketing, whatever it is, your advertising, your online, and so on, addresses a problem, an issue, or a pain the customer has. Right. So just like the spa guy, people having spas breaking down, the pain is they've got to figure out you know, who to call to fix it. Mm-hmm. So then the next part, the sub-headline, is the interest part. So the first one is attention. The second one is interest. And provide a source or provide a reason why people can find a solution. Sure. So what's the solution? Third thing is then make it desirable. And that's really the body copy or the backup information that says, you know, here's some options for you. It's a pretty easy process. Watch my video, you know, like the, the guy with the spa. Mm-hmm. Then last of all is a call to action. And the call to action may be simply provide your email address and your name or provide your email address, phone number. And, you know, download this free video or watch this, you know, read this uh, PDF or whatever. Something that provides value so that later on when they're buying, they'll have you as a source.
0: Right. And people know, like, and trust you. I'd like to take maybe a little deeper dive into some best practices. But before we get into that, could you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you? And I mean, if they need you to tap into your expertise, where do they go?
2: Oh, Pretty easy. My website is sparkcommunications.com. Nice. And my email my email address is D as in David, my first name, and Saxby, S-A-X-B-Y, at sparkcommunications.com.
0: Stick with us. We'll be right back with creative director and president of Stark Communications, David Saxby, where we are going to be talking about
3: brands. Every day you perform... Maybe not on a stage in front of a captive audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But in your business, whether you know it or not, you are performing. Thinking about your business like you have to go out there and put on a perfect show can help create long-lasting success. And you can find out the secrets how in the new book, Lights, Camera, Action! Business operational excellence through the lens of live theater. Author, speaker, actor, and business coach Mark Hain breaks down how you can craft a solid foundation, rehearse before you ever serve your First Customer and Take Action to Provide an Experience Worthy of a Standing Ovation. Mark's experience running casinos, restaurants, and hotels, as well as his time in live theater, has been preparing him to help put the spotlight on your business and give it its time to shine. Order his book Lights Camera Action today at your favorite online store or directly at markhane.com. That's M A R C H A I N E.com.
0: And welcome back. We are here with David Saxby. We are talking about brands and talking about how to get you noticed here on Experienced Leadership. Oh, I just got a text from Jeff. He sent me a note earlier today and he said that he wanted to send me a, uh, a text during the broadcast. He says, hey, Mark, I've always had a challenge with the idea of brands. He says, I mean, ultimately, it's not what I say my brand is, but what other people say my brand is. Is it possible that my brand has no identity at all?
2: Quite possible. Yeah. Again, comes back to what I was talking about before is a lot of businesses start out, they build a brand not really knowing what the impression is going to leave with customers. They keep the brand because they started using the brand and really comes down to what personality the brand has, it, it comes down to what are the, what does the name mean to customers? What does the the graphic or the the image say to customers? And then how do you back up that brand, with a compelling message, hmm. you know, offer and so on? Uh, and is it consistent? I mean, who would have thought that a check mark would actually build a multi-billion dollar company?
0: Exactly, but it just goes to show that the image part of it. Is just something that ties the idea, the image to an idea, right? And so, you know, I remember once when we rebranded a casino, people went, oh, the name is crazy. But then the question I asked them is, what does Earl's mean to you? And so then people, those people in Western Canada said, you know, well, it's a restaurant. It's, you know, they got pretty girls, they have good food. And so, and it's like, but Earl's is just a name. You know, you associate it with your experience with the brand. So somebody coming in from Montreal who's never seen an Earl's would go, what, what is an Earl's? I, I've never heard of an Earl's before. Right? And it would mean absolutely nothing to them. And so that's the same thing with our brand, right? We somehow get associated with the people that we touch, that they turn around and say, Hey, this particular hardware store is my favorite. In fact, if anybody's watching this at any point, even in the replay, just for the heck of it, put in the timestamp and then put in what is your favorite hardware store? When they think hardware store, your first brand that comes to mind is what? And that'll just prove my point that that association is made because of that, you know, like, and trust them as well. You know, small businesses, as we mentioned earlier, small businesses, as brilliant as entrepreneurs are and passionate as entrepreneurs are, ultimately they don't know it all to be able to run a business. And so as a small business owner, what would you suggest that they need to do in order to ensure better marketing results. Like they have their staff saying, oh, you have to go on Twitter, you have to do that. What do they need to do in order to ensure that they get better results?
2: Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think the first thing is to to create a strategy, which means do the research, figure out who your market is, what their needs are, what their you know pet peeves are. Like a lot of businesses start up because the business that's dominant in the industry is ticking clients off. So what is it the customers don't like? What does the customers look at? And even Look at what customers do to misuse the product or service because mm. that's a clue. That gives you a clue as to what's not working in communicating with the customers. So start with strategy, then come up with a plan, and determine where the target market is getting their information from. So what channels are they they spending time on? Is it online? Is it you know television? Is it traditional media? Is it texting? Is it you know, Instagram, where's the majority of your customers and then keep it simple. Start with one or two channels that are where your dominant customer is. And then from there, add, add uh, new channels in and don't put everything on, like don't dump it all in social media. Cause you think it might spray enough information out there to attract customers. You need to be strategic. And, and a good example is right now with this COVID situation, What's happening is there's a buy buy local movement. So on the internet, how do you capture people locally? Mm-hmm. Well, it's building relationships. It's finding out where your target market is locally. And then what do they do both online and offline? And what channels do they follow? Right. And, you know, so throwing a bunch of stuff on the internet internationally is not going to help buy local.
0: Exactly. And it's interesting because I talked to some local businesses and they get frustrated with the fact that they're competing against, against the big brands. You know, I talked to a hardware store owner locally here. She's frustrated because, you know, people are going to Amazon to order their products and they're not coming to her store. And I've always had a real challenge with that because I think as a local business owner, she has a leg up on Amazon. Nobody knows... Yes. Amazon. They know, like, and trust it, but nobody can go to Amazon and say, boy, oh boy, you know, I saw your kids grow up. I saw that you sponsored something at our school. And because of that, you know, we were able to win the trophy or whatever that is. Whereas local businesses have the ability to be present in people's lives on an ongoing basis as being a community-based business.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A good example of that. Years ago, I worked with a uh, commercial supplier to the uh, trades and the building industry. And, you know, they were saying, well, we're having challenges with our sales and our marketing and, and what do we do? And I said, well, let's talk about your customers. How do customers order products and how do customers interact with you? And we looked at the whole sales and marketing process from the moment a customer contacted them through to when the sale was closed in the follow-up. And what was interesting was one of the comments was the uh, VP of uh, marketing or VP of uh, the company basically said... He said, our customers aren't online. Some of them just got email. And he said, in fact, we've had customers walk in with a chunk of drywall with their order on it. And so that, you know, triggered a whole process of figuring out, okay, how do we get customers to kind of interact using more modern methodology or providing them more convenience in their ordering Plus, how do we track what they order and be able to keep the inventory there? Because they were keeping a lot of inventory that was getting stale dated and wasn't useful sure. So to the customers. So it, it went through this whole process of looking at their market, interviewing customers, figuring out what their interaction points were and so on. But I thought that was just hilarious because there's a lot of industries like that or a lot of businesses like that where – you know, the person walks in with a chunk of drywall or a two by four and has their order written on it.
0: I have so done that when I was renovating my mom's house, I did exact I had no paper. <laughs> it was the per- first thing I walked in with a chunk of drywall with my list on it. <laughs> David, we talked right now about that there's so many businesses doing stuff wrong. I know that people hopefully people will watch this and go, Well, gee, I want to take the next step. Going forward, but before we get into the next steps of what they should be doing, can you offer any cautionaries of stuff that they shouldn't do? These are the the do not do's. Do not do. Don't fall into this trap.
2: I think first of all, uh, you know, coming back to what I had mentioned right at the beginning is is don't look at the tactics as a short way to get to results, because throwing stuff in different directions and expecting it is, is like throwing uh, drop mud against the wall. Some of it's going to stick, some of it's not. So be very strategic. Also, if you're looking at today's market in particular, trying to figure out how to reach your customers, don't try and sell right off. You know, like selling your products right off or your services right off. Many customers are confused. They're overwhelmed. So they're, they're not probably in a position to buy right away. They're doing their homework. So provide content and information that will help them make a decision Mm -hmm. so that when they are ready to buy, they'll make that decision for you. You know, like I said before, the traditional media still works for many, many industries. Some of the trends that are happening now as well is that the cell phone industry and cell phones are now becoming a medium or a channel that a lot of businesses are looking towards to market because email is overwhelmed, social media is overwhelmed, so they're looking at new places to find customer interaction. So a couple of other things to look at, too, is watch trends. What's going on with your customers? What's going on in the market? What's going on with your competition? And then be innovative in your approach and don't do the same thing that everybody else in your industry is doing. Right. Look, look at innovative ways of doing things that make your business stand out. And then, you know, budget plan and monitor and measure your results. Because if you measure the results, you're going to see what's working, what's not working, and then adapt your marketing accordingly. And as business increases, increase your marketing.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's also this trend of being authentic and bringing your authentic voice forward. A lot of what we're talking about when it comes down to marketing, some people might perceive it as being, I have to tell them a message so that I get them to buy from me. And I think those days are gone where people create a a kind of a fake persona, as it was, in order to do business. And I think in my background in hospitality, you see that backfire many, many times because they say, yes, we're for this. But then, you know, people look into it and we're in instant communications now.
2: Yeah. Well, and and if you look at currently in the market, you know, the whole... Every business that's online has got a message up about Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. or they've got a message up about COVID or, you know, and, and they're putting those messages out there, not realizing that most customers look at those messages and they have no no connection to what the customer is trying to do with the business. Right. So it's just another message they see. In some cases, it may make a difference. Yes. Yes. and, well, it does and, say and to the some, is being socially conscious.
0: Exactly. And so, some people want to reflect their values to say, "Hey, we're one of the good guys."
2: Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of big brands do that just to say, "Hey, we're putting something back into the community," and so on. But mm-hmm. you know, the other the other thing when it comes to innovation, look at what's going on in the market and look at how you can be ahead of the curve. And you know, you look at uh, like an example, for instance, uh, Dyson vacuums. You know, premium brand vacuum, very innovative in the, how they do their business and what they provide for products. When the COVID thing out, came out, they reinvented what they were doing for products and came up with a um, a ventilator, and <laughs> were selling that to uh, households and and hospitals and so on. So they're still in their core business. Their message is still the same that yep. the the whole concept of technology is is being used yep. in a very effective way and getting great results but they they shifted their business by being a little more innovative and looking at the market, and they haven't gone out, outside their core business.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because when they interviewed, I think when they interviewed Dyson, he said something to the, the fact that he makes vacuum cleaners, they make fans, and now they're making ventilators. He says his business has always been moving air. <laughs> and I thought, that's a core business, we move air, <laughs> which I thought was excellent. So, you know, I, I'm sure that anybody watching this now Is I mean, their head is buzzing right now because we've talked about so many different aspects of marketing. What can a small business owner do? Like As soon as they're done getting off and watching this whole video to its entirety, um, (laughs) what can they do next? What what should be their first step? If they don't have a marketing plan, if they don't have a strategy, what should they be doing? What's the first thing they need to do?
2: Well, I, I think the first thing is go back to thinking about you know, why they're in business, what they offer clients and customers that is unique and how can they best serve those customers. Then what channels do those customers interact with to make a buying decision, provide content. So uh, whether it's writing articles, sending out emails, or even just simply sending out a postcard and say, Hey, we're still here to serve you that type of approach. So be strategic and figure out what what you're currently doing that's working, keep that. What's not working and stop doing that. Set up a plan and a budget and then look at that budget and what can you do over a long time, a long period of time. I've had so many big businesses go, oh, we're, we're going to put up a billboard. And I go, why are you doing that? Well, because everybody in the city will see it. Or every customer will see it. Well, does every customer need to see it? Or is your customer one in 100,000 people or one in 10,000 and they go somewhere else to find their information? Right. And I remember a conversation I had with one very large international company and I presented a media plan. This is back before social media and back before the Internet. And part of it included radio, part of it included television, newspaper, so on and so forth. He looked at the whole plan and he says, this is good, but I don't like that radio station. And I said, and? I said, that's where your customers are. He says, well, I don't like that radio station. I said, so you don't want to talk to your customers? And he says, okay, point taken. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) But it's interesting because, you know, when you think about uh, there's reasons why he had that preference and what he fails to realize as well is when it comes down to his products, his service, people might be feeling the same way about him as well.
2: Well, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It's just this whole big circle, right? Well, David, thank you so much. This is really all the time that we have for today, and I really appreciate you being on the show. Could you just remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you?
2: Sure, yeah. And like you said in the beginning, I work with clients to develop strategies, but I also have a coaching program, and the advantage for clients is that they can actually do it very affordably, and they can either do it themselves, I can work with them in a small group environment with other businesses, or we can work one-on-one as things progress. So if people want to talk to me more about uh, what I'm doing, they can reach me at sparkcommunications.com and my phone number as well, uh, 403-585-9870. Or they can just send me an email at dsaxby at Spark Communications.
0: Nice. And I know that you're in the forefront of accepting text messages from customers now. So somebody could actually text that phone number and just say,
2: Help! <laughs> Funny enough, I have seen that through text. Oh yeah. There you <laughs> My go. marketing there is I not go. working, help.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can believe it. You know, I know I've worked with a lot of small businesses and I know it is so frustrating for them not to have the time or the capacity to be able to do this, and they're just trying to do the best they can. And ultimately, as people have many times have heard from me, is you can't do it alone. And so David, thank you so much. I'd really like to acknowledge you for being here today to share your thoughts, your knowledge, your brilliant expertise. You know, you are probably one of the most approachable folks I've ever met. And I remember the very first time that we met and we sat down and we had lunch and we just had like two hours of great conversation. And so I appreciate the fact that we're able to replicate that here today. You mentioned when we were talking before the broadcast, you were mentioning that you have a book as well.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, Spark Innovative Marketing Strategies. If uh, people go onto my website, there's a box there where they can click and they can actually download the book. It's free. There's no cost. And they can read it. It's got some examples of things that I've been talking about today and some ideas for small businesses to be able to innovate their business. And I'd really encourage businesses to think strategically, be innovative in how they think, and don't be afraid to connect with others that aren't in the industry and hear their ideas about your business. Because a lot of times what I refer to as novice consulting brings up some interesting stories and ideas Mm. and thoughts about a business and can help you move your business forward.
0: Right. And that's where things like um, hanging out and going to your chamber of conference or going to rotary meetings where people have other businesses and you can share those kinds of ideas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Like in the uh, group coaching environments, you know, you get five different businesses together and it's amazing what you can share in the way of ideas and support and help uh, move your business forward simply by getting ideas from other business owners.
0: Right. David, again, thank you so much for being here today. It's been absolutely wonderful. You are a wealth an absolute wealth of information, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks, Mark, for having me on. I look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: So why don't you give me a thumbs up if this was of value to you? You know, I put these episodes together. I go out and I reach out to my circle of colleagues to figure out what would be of interest, what would be of high value to you. And as always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, please feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is below. It's the link that says meetme.so slash As always, I am at your service. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you hit the subscribe button and ring the bell? That'll give you first tips whenever I bring you the content and when I bring you some new ideas to help you work on your business, not just in your business. Ultimately, I'd like to also get your comments and your thoughts. Is this of value to you? Do you have any ideas of what you'd like for future episodes? It'll be my absolute pleasure to investigate and uncover those kinds of topics for you. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.
1: Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show, or go directly to MarkhainLive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes, or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.